Chapter 11 of Grandpa in Oz by Ruth Plumley Thompson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 11 Into the Volcano. By the time Grandpa had recovered enough to sit up, the boat was scraping over the black rocks at the foot of the dark tower. Sanders, soot! called the rowers loudly. In answer to their hail, a door opened cautiously and the keepers of the dark tower peered out. "'What's wanted?' asked the first hoarsely, while the second swung his dark lantern toward the party in the boat. "'Take these men to blazes and tell him to send them up,' directed the flame men together, and almost pushing Grandpa and his little company from the boat, they jumped in and started to row back to their island." The dark tower was wet and clammy and made of moss that soaked up the rays of light from Fire Island as a sponge soaks up water. The keepers of the tower themselves looked burnt out and cindery and far from agreeable. "'You go,' said Soot, after a contemptuous glance at the newcomers. "'I've got to keep the light out.' "'All right,' agreed Cinders. "'Come on, you, whatever you are. There was no way to get back to Fire Island, so Grandpa motioned for the others to come in, and in silence they followed cinders over the black slippery rocks. Bill perched on Grandpa's shoulder, and Tatters held fast to Eartha, who for the first time seemed a little frightened. "'Being alive is so strange,' sighed the little flower girl, stepping along tremulously. "'It's not always like this,' whispered the prince comfortingly. He was terribly frightened himself, but resolved to be as brave as he could before this lovely little lady of flowers. The dark tower seemed to be on the mainland of this queer underground country, and after a short march over the rocks they came to a steep gray mountain. There was a door in the center, and cinders hammered on this with a poker he carried under one arm. The door opened immediately and a hot red glare smote the travelers in the face. "'John says to send these creatures up,' grumbled Cinders, backing out of the light. "'I hope that medicine's still working,' groaned Grandpa. "'Do you still feel cool?' Uh, "'Pretty cool,' faltered the Prince of Ragbad. "'But—' "'Come in!' roared the huge fireman who had opened the door. Do you want to give me a chill? Snatching Tatters by one hand and Eartha by the other, he jerked them through the door, and Grandpa, seeing that Cinders was about to slam it shut, sprang in quickly after them. Blazes was about twice as tall as the men on Fire Island, and his flaming face was cruel and ugly. So you're to be sent? he sneered, staring curiously at the bewildered little company. "'Well, you're not worth an eruption, but orders are orders, so up you go.' Grandpa could find no words to answer, for his eyes were glued in horror upon the boiling lake of lava churning about a few feet below. Thick green smoke curled up toward them in clouds, and just as he was about to order a hasty retreat to the door, 
the keeper of the volcano seized a forty-foot poker and plunged it into the lake. Next instant it had risen to the top, caught the four fireproof travelers in its sulfurous waves, and hurled itself frothing and bubbling to the top of the earth. Being erupted from a volcano is such a noisy, smothering, altogether terrifying experience that Grandpa and his little army could not have told what was happening had they tried. And had it not been for Garba's medicine, they would have blown clear out of the story. But thanks to the medicine, the boiling lava did not injure them, and having hurled them from the middle of the earth, and some fifty feet higher than the earth, the liquid immediately surrounding them began to harden and form a flying island. Of course, Grandpa and Tatters were too dizzy to know this, and the first indication they had that the eruption was over was a dreadful bounce and a perfect shower of water. The water brought them to their senses, and, fearfully opening their eyes, they looked around. Horrors! The volcano was in the kingdom of Ev! on the other side of the deadly desert, and had flung them clear into the nonestic ocean itself. This great body of water lies far to the northwest, and mighty few Ozites have ever reached its shores. <coughs> well, coughed Grandpa, rubbing his game leg vigorously, I thought we were goners, but I see we are survivors. Are you all right? Are you all here? Eartha shook her lovely fern hair out of her eyes, and, strange as it may seem, the little flower girl had come through the eruption without crushing a single posy. "'Fair and cooler,' wheezed Bill, hopping up on a little ridge of the hardened lava. "'But how did we get here?' asked Tatters, rubbing his eyes. "'You'll have to ask Blazes,' puffed Grandpa. But I must say I prefer water to fire. Already the spirits of the old soldier were beginning to rise. We may be far from home, but we're on top again and still moving. Grandpa took a few marching steps and waved his sword. And what are those? asked Eartha, standing on tiptoe to point at the stars. In the wizard's garden there had been no sky. Tatters explained as best he could, and the little flower girl clasped her hands and gazed up in delight. "'They're sky flowers,' she confided to Bill, but the weathercock was too busy looking for the fortune to answer. "'Seems to me we're shipwrecked,' observed Tatters gloomily. Their little island was bobbing up and down on top of the waves, and there was no land of any kind in sight. But Grandpa, who had been investigating the contents of his knapsack, gave a little chuckle. The bread and butter they had picked in the wizard's garden, not being entirely fireproof, was nicely toasted and looked so crisp and inviting that it made Grandpa's mouth water. "'What are you fussing about?' said the old soldier, winking at the prince. "'Tisn't everybody can have their supper cooked in a volcano.' He handed Tatters a great pile of the toast, and after the Prince of Ragbad had eaten a dozen slices, he began to feel more cheerful himself. 
"'All we need is a little sleep,' yawned the old soldier, after they had finished off the toast, for neither Bill nor Eartha needed food. "'If Bill will keep watch, you and I had better turn in, for there's no knowing what may happen tomorrow.' "'I'll keep watch,' promised Bill readily. "'Hush,' warned Grandpa suddenly, for Eartha, wearied by her strange adventures, had fallen fast asleep in the middle of counting the stars and lay in a fragrant heap, her lovely violet eyes closed tight, and all the big and little posies that made up the wonderful little flower-girl herself were asleep too. "'If she hadn't been a fairy,' whispered Grandpa, looking down at her affectionately, "'she would have wilted long ago.' We must take good care of her, my boy, for I doubt if there's as lovely a little lady anywhere else in Oz. Oh, she's the only luck we've had, mused Tatters, and I wish— The prince looked up at the stars and did not finish his sentence, but, rolling up the skin of the old threadbare, he made a pillow for Eartha's head, and he and Grandpa went tiptoeing to the other side of the island and stretched themselves on the ground. The motion of the little island as it rode lightly over the waves was very soothing, and before long the old soldier and the young prince were sound asleep too, leaving only the weathercock on guard. And Bill, in all the years he had spent on the barn near Chicago, had never felt so important. Perched on the highest ridge of the island, he kept a sharp lookout in all directions, scanning the tumbling waters of the nonestic ocean for signs of a fortune and a princess, and talking softly to himself in the starlight. Grandpa was having a fine dream. He was being presented at court and was just about to shake hands with Princess Ozma herself when he was wakened by a ton of kitchen tins falling down a mountainside. Or that's what it sounded like to Grandpa. Leaping to his feet, the old soldier snatched up his gun. Tatters and Eartha were both sitting bolt upright, rubbing their eyes. "'It's Bill!' yawned the prince sleepily. With an exclamation of disgust, the old soldier threw down his gun and covered his ears. The weathercock was indulging in his morning crow and helping the sun to rise. Just as Grandpa thought he could not stand it another minute, the frightful clamor ceased. "'The sun has risen,' announced Bill calmly. "'And there's land ahead.' It was a bit foggy, but, crowding to the edge of the island, the little company saw that they were being carried straight toward a land of ice and snow. Tatters and Eartha had never seen snow before, for there is no snow in Oz, but Grandpa had read all about such things in Fumbo's books, and, while he was explaining, the little island bumped on the snowy shore of this strange ice-bound land. "'All off!' cried Grandpa, seizing Eartha by the hand. Tatters ran back for his umbrella and the skin of the old threadbare, then jumped after Grandpa and the flower maiden. "'Colder and colder!' predicted Bill, flying after the prince and settling on the branches of an ice-covered tree. But Tatters was not thinking of the weather. 
With round eyes he was studying a huge sign that stretched between two tall hemlocks. The illustrious island of Isaposo, announced the sign, and in smaller letters, Beware of the dragon. Great gollywalkers, gasped the old soldier, reading over Tatter's shoulder. Can't they give a feller a rest? What's a dragon? asked Ertha, touching Tatters on the arm. End of chapter 11